Hello to all you survivors out there in the wasteland. We're transmitting from our hermetically sealed bunker beneath the nation's capital, and thank you for joining us on whatever scavenged receiver you've got going today. I'm Brandon Crilly, Ottawa-based author of science fiction and fantasy. And I'm Evan May, author of The King in Darkness and Bonhomme Setter. Our cozy little bunker is keeping us safe from the plague from space that's decimating the population, but we also have a lot of time on our hands, so we've decided to pass the time by sharing stories. Instead of a campfire, we have the glow of the sterilization chamber and the soothing hiss of the air recyclers. We'll be talking about the stories we love from the world of science fiction, fantasy, and horror, as well as the tales that come from the creation of stories and the creation of art in general. Today we have a very special episode of Broadcasts for you because we have two separate conversations with multiple guests. Um, here's who will be joining us for our first conversation in the bunker today. Hi, my name is Ika Cook. I work in an international humanitarian organization during the day and Moonlight as a fantasy author. So this is my first ever Canadian convention and my first ever time in Canada. Hi, I'm Jen Elizabeth Chase, aka BF Chase. I'm a kaiju-loving sci-fi fantasy writer living in Reno, Nevada, not Nevada. And we will follow that up with a conversation with Eric Choi, with a brief musical interlude in between. We're both really looking forward to our conversation today, and just as excited that we get to share it with you. Gather round, survivors, and welcome to Broadcast from the Wasteland. wonderful experience yeah it wasn't would you like to do a panel it's like you are doing a panel smiley smiley star smiley smiley with the tongue hanging was it really yeah it was my fault she said should I ask Ika and I said don't ask her just tell her yeah okay so you got asked you got I was in their room after breakfast and I happened to be there and I'm see it's hard to say now about this part of the process yeah, yeah, but yeah, because I, I said to to Julian maybe like a week ago or something, like it'd be awesome to sit down with a couple of Lexus authors and 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 just chat and whatever and, and help promote the anthology and and you know just let me know who you can find. But I, I assumed that she would ask people. Well, she does. She does ask, but it never yeah. comes out like a question. No, that's it is yeah. Julie. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Don't want to say no. No, that's yeah. fair. Well, because she's lovely. She, she is. is. Like, yeah. She's a wonderful person. She is. Yeah. yeah. And scary. Yes, uh, you I've mean, gotten used to that. I don't care anymore. Oh, that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I have, I've known Julie and Janet and people from the news group for like 15, 16 years. Oh, okay. uh, because I'm from Malaysia, so I've never been to this part of the world and I've never met them in person. Oh, wow. So, yes. <laughs> so she's meeting everybody for the first time. Yeah, oh, I mean, no way. That's cool. Yeah, so yesterday I saw Julie and I had a brain freeze. I was like, <laughs> literally, I couldn't talk to her and she was like, being so nice and I went yeah did she tell you what happened when she met CJ Cherry the first time she couldn't cross the room she saw CJ and she couldn't cross the room so you're actually doing better than she did I almost had uh, and and Evan can back me up on this uh, at CanCon we had um, Steve Erickson a couple years ago and we established this thing at CanCon where um, for Blackgate Magazine I'll interview one of the guests of honor and and Erickson happened to be the first one and I, I think I almost had a panic attack it was like almost, almost yeah. it was like 15 minutes before I was supposed to go interview him and I'm like I don't know if I I don't know what I said but I'm like, in my head I'm like I don't know if I can do this that's, and, and that's made, what you said is that what I said yeah. okay and, and, and Evan had to talk me down I'm like and it ended up going decently I think it went, it went great it went great but yeah no. so I hear it's just that I still get that to this day whenever I'm, I'm meeting somebody like who I've been following on social media for years or yeah. like yeah 
So what's the what is the Julie? We the about Trinata like, Network. The Trinata Network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just made that up. Oh, did, that's I not just an actual made that thing. Up. No. Oh man, I thought I was. You part can of make something. it a thing, but can I, we make it a thing? We sure, make it a thing. We can I make it, it a thing. Okay, I thought I was part of. Julie is all into networking, so basically, yeah, there's really a Trinata Network. There's a Trinata Network. It's <laughs> <laughs> gonna kill me. Yes. <laughs> can we have T-shirts? Let's just. Can we, we should. Can we decide a slogan, and then it'll be official, and she can't do anything about it because it's our podcast. Here, here at live from the Trinata Network. Yeah. How'd you guys end up in Plexus, first of all? I have been in, this is the third anthology of Julie's I've been in. Oh, okay, cool. What were the, what I've been in Fantastic in? Companions. Okay, yeah. And I've been in Misspelled. Oh, cool. So, uh, when she did this one, I'm like, well, she better ask me. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, I have read all, I mean, I've, BF is my nickname, biggest yeah. fan. I've been a fan nice. of her for 20 years. So That's cool. That's um, what it means. So... When she mentioned it, I was like waiting for the invite, you know. And yeah. She gave it to me, and I knew right away who I was going to write. Okay. So even if she wasn't asking me, I was going to write the story anyway. Nice. But uh, so it just, I think, just being in the loop a lot. Yeah. Okay. Cool. And having bought two previous stories makes sense. So. Yeah. Sure. And Ika, how about you? Um, I actually also this is my second anthology okay. with Julie. So when I saw the announcement on Facebook, I was like, eh, okay, because science fiction is not my strongest suit. I'm a fantasy horror writer. Oh, okay. So you know when she mentioned uh, and she sent me a message after that, FYI, if you haven't if you haven't seen this, I think you can write a really good story on this. And I'm like, okay, I'll certainly certainly try. <laughs> so yeah, that's how I got into Plexus. Okay, sweet. Cool. Was it tough? Writing like writing in a world of Julie's, not not at all. Not no. for me. I know. I know. Well, yeah, so yeah, well. familiar with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, were you worried about getting stuff wrong, or did you just kind of play? I was. Nodding at? Yeah, I was because I I wasn't familiar. Again, like my favorite genre is always fantasy, and sci-fi was secondary, and I right. only had read a thousand at the time. Thousand okay. Words for a Stranger. Yeah. So it was. I was afraid because this is something that I do not want to mess up. I want to bring justice to the story, yeah. to bring justice to Plexus, and add something magical to it right, so yeah, yeah. It, it was a challenge it was a lot of research and a lot of like studying and I should have just talked to you <laughs> <laughs> yeah. don't worry everything will be fine yeah, <laughs> yeah trust me yeah. I won't steer you wrong yeah okay cool tell us about the, what kind of stories did you write I chose Ansel he is a secondary possibly tertiary depending on how you look at him mm. of all her characters he is my favorite I, glom- I glom onto secondaries more than okay. when primary um, why because I don't know why. He just, when I first read him, he just, in little teeny bits, he just struck me. Okay. He's this guy who hangs out with Weedo. Yeah. Who the hell would hang out with Weedo? So, you know, <laughs> I mean, Morgan goes away. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and so I just, I, I wanted to give him a really nice backstory because mm-hmm. we don't know a lot about him. And so I did. Cool. Nice. <laughs> uh, Mika, what about your story? I wrote about the Tulis. Oh, yes, okay. So, yeah, um, I have an affinity for furry things. Okay. <laughs> I, I, That's loaded. <laughs> yeah, no, no. should we unpack that? Is no. that going to be the next, like, Is ten minutes? Of... No, I, mean, no. I, I rescue cats part-time. Oh, okay. no way. So, yeah, on that same year, I rescued and rehomed 12 cats. Wow, wow, and, okay. Yeah, you know, it was just everything happening at the same time, and I'm like, you know, I would like a Thule story. And, yeah. and because they just struck me as interesting, humanoids, furry humanoids, and I wondered... And they don't communicate vocally, they communicate with hand gestures. So I yeah. was like, okay, maybe I should explore that. And it was just a random whim of, yeah, let's see where that goes. Okay. So yeah, that's where it started. And it was at the uh, juncture where Sira escaped Texas also. Right, yeah, so yeah, yeah. I wanted to write a story about the other other beings that are also affected by what Rorak oh, did. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. 
That's cool. Can like talk, can I ask you about cat rescue? Like, can we talk about yeah, that? Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> like so. Like how? Like tell me about cat rescue. How many cats have you rescued? Like or in total, I think about fifteen for okay. for two years. Okay, you know, it was a very short period of time because once people figured out that I rescue cats, they started dumping cats outside. Oh house. no! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, in cages. Like seriously, thanks for the cage. Oh my God. <laughs> like yeah. Because I, I used to live in a very small flat in, in the suburbs and yeah. yeah, people just don't know what to do with animals and I, I rescued a paraplegic cat. And my first cat was oh, uh, oh sort of paraplegic. She got hit by a taxi and oh, I Jesus. rescued her. PT. Oh yeah. 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 PT, yeah. Okay. So and then that's when it started happening. It's it's the law of attraction. You focus on one thing and then suddenly all these cats just show up everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> And, the word gets it. And on the day of when I decided to stop, I, I, I also work as a humanitarian with an international organization during the oh, day. That's my day job. Gotcha, okay. So I was I was telling my manager, this is the day I you know, I quit. I don't want to save cats anymore. It was just too emotion you know, you're emotionally invested, it's right. a lot of money and things like that. And on that day she found a cat that needed rescuing. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like she called me Ika. I have a cat here. <laughs> like, oh, no. no. Yeah. But that was the last one. We, we, we rehomed in, yeah. So. Okay. That, I mean, that it, it, <laughs> like, <laughs> so you. I don't know. I set up a small rescue after that. We, we, we rescued seven dogs after that because um, oh, I, as a Muslim, we don't, I, I'm a Muslim, so I don't okay. really know. I love dogs, but I don't know how to interact with dogs. I've had cats my whole right, life. Right, yeah, yeah. So when I see dogs, I'm that person at the back of someone else who knows how to do it. I was like, hi, puppy. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. Yeah, but we, we, yeah, we rehomed seven dogs after that. And then, yeah, I, I quit. That was it. Like, no <laughs> yeah, more. <laughs> yeah. I have other things to do. <laughs> you just have the two furry children at home. Yeah, I had two furry children yeah. at home. Okay. Wait, like, furry children as in? A cats. As in cats. Oh, okay, yeah. good. I didn't, I'm just, I didn't want to assume. I don't know. It could be like... I was going to leave you hanging. See if you... Yeah, it could be children who have to be very hairy. I don't know. I don't want to... Um, I'm imagining two mini Wookiees walking around. <laughs> uh, and you know where a bunch of science fiction authors went? That would be so popular if you could have mini Wookiees. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that would be the most popular. We breed everything ever. else down to that. We should breed <laughs> yeah. mini Wookiees. Mini Wookiees. Yeah. Mini Wookiees. I, my mom is still, uh, when I was a kid, we found uh, a pets, pets around. They're probably treated horribly, but it was uh, micro bunnies. You ever heard of these things? Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, and and I, I'm sure there's some sort of like. Horrific genetic experiment. They just explode. Something like yeah, don't, or don't get them wet, like gremlins. <laughs> <laughs> we went. We were in the pet shop and, and we're looking at these micro bunnies. And my mom fell in love with these little micro bunnies, and that's all she wanted. And to this day, that's like twenty years ago now. And she's like, "I want a micro bunny." And I'm like, "Then go get one." Like, why are you? But yeah, they were just these tiny little like you could fit them in your hand. I did read a bunch of stories about uh, when like pygmy pigs were a popular kind of trendy oh, pet. Yeah. People who had been sold, but they were told was a pygmy pig. And oh, it was just no. a pig. <laughs> so, like, it grows up to this enormous... <laughs> so, that, yeah, they end up with... Like, they make great house pets. Uh, apparently, they're very intelligent. That's, that's but they are very intelligent. Yeah, and, yeah. But, yeah, I mean... I still I, eat bacon. But. Right? <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to stop. No. And I'm not sure you need 300 pounds of... <laughs> yeah. <house. laughs> no. And once you name them, no, that's it. You can't... Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. I had a friend... Um, when I was in university, had they had a, his family had a farm and like a dairy farm, and, and you know and they would name the cows and and then deal with the cows and, and I'm like deal I, with the cows. I, 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 I yeah, to put it politely, <laughs> but I can't imagine doing that, like naming the animals and then like it would just have to be okay. Your dinner, your dinner, your lunch, lunch your, your, your fillet. Yep, your that's it. That's it. Um, that like yeah, like rescuing animals just sounds like a like sounds like a phenomenal but also heart wrenching 
It is because not all of the animals make it, and yeah. even my own my own first the the cat with the disability didn't yeah. last. You know, she only lived for about two years, and then we had to let her go. So right, okay. yeah, it wasn't easy, and it was heartbreaking. But then again, it also it's also healing in a lot of ways. Mm. So. Um, yeah, it, it happened at all the right time in a way because I was also dealing with a lot of things back home, and then right, I yeah. have these animals as you know I have to focus on something else. Right. Yeah. yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but then now I still get the random calls like, "Hey, Ika, I got these cats. <laughs> I don't know what to do. So, like, don't send them to me. Yeah. 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 Send them anywhere else but here. Yeah, but it's amazing because I did post a few um, requests for help, so yeah. for donations to help with the vet bills, and because. Uh, Malaysia uh, to here the currency rate is 3.2 uh, so one ringgit Malaysia is 3.2 Canadian okay gotcha so when a few friends here send some money which they thought were really small amounts and I'm like yep that covered the whole bet bill thanks <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah it was really overwhelming like how much support I did get yeah 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 I can imagine what kind of stuff are you uh, reading these days besides Plexus what am I reading right yeah. now I read like three books at a time what are you reading what are you watching what's uh What's exciting to you? I don't watch TV. You don't watch TV? I'm a, I'm a okay. film major, so I like movies. Okay. You're a filmmaker? Major. Oh, film major. Well, I used to be a film editor, too. But, oh, cool. Um, I love kaiju movies. Okay. Yeah. And I love... I like foreign kaiju movies. Okay. Okay. So did you see the and, new Godzilla movie? Hell yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I haven't saw seen it in it Vegas, yet. actually. We were down oh, in no Vegas way. with the kids. And, oh, cool. And they, we all went to see Godzilla there. That's where we saw the last American, uh, the um, the first, the Broderick one. Right. Um, um, the Broderick one. I, I, mean, I, I have a gene where I can ignore the people in a kaiju movie and just watch <laughs> the kaiju, so it doesn't bother me. Okay, good. <laughs> I, remember, I enjoyed that movie as a kid. I don't know if I go back and watch it. Uh, uh, what did you think of the most recent Godzilla? If you took out the people, it would have been yeah. perfect. Okay. The acting was atrocious. The <laughs> script Charles? was... Well, Charles Dance was... You can't go wrong. Yeah, he I, is, I was, he's perfect. Yeah. yeah, he's perfect. Charles Dance is a perfect man. So, um, <laughs> but everybody else could have been cut out. It would have been fine. Yeah. Um, even the the previous uh, Monarch characters were flat. I don't know what happened. Yeah. Well, um, I can't even remember... Um... Ken Watanabe was flat. Yeah, and I remember oh, being yeah, like super attached to his character previously, yeah. and and I can't his, his uh, partner. I can't remember her name. I can't remember her name either. It's the same actress who was in Shape of Water. Why can't I remember? Yes. Who that is? And anyway, uh, but yeah, but like with what I mean, I don't think it's a spoiler. Like when her character, you know, gets offed. Yeah. I, 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 no, by the time people listen to this, no one's gonna, yeah, when, yeah, yeah, when she gets killed, I was like, there was this moment of like, oh, and then I totally forgot that she had, like. They didn't make an impression in this one. Yeah, yeah, which, which is a shame because I. But there was a there was enough kaiju battle to make up for it. Yeah. So. Oh hell yeah! Gidera was amazing. Oh my god! <laughs> I'm a Gojira fan, but Gidera was oh, amazing. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so. yeah, yeah, I, I have you seen it yet? I have not oh, seen it. Yet. Uh, see it. I, I know this. Ignore all the people parts. Yeah, just yeah, the, yeah, the whole human connection. Except Charles Dance. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's fantastic. And I was worried he was only going to be in it for like um, like five minutes. Because it's Charles Dance. Why is Charles Dance doing a Godzilla movie? But he had a size. Because he's Mr. Yeah. Evil. Uh, he's Mr. He's Evil. I feel like there's a fair number of people out there who, if you ask them, will you be in a Godzilla movie, they would just be like, yes, please. <laughs> right? I mean, I would. I he mean, says yeah. no. Yeah, yeah, absolutely I'll be in a Godzilla movie. Like. More respect for Charles Dance now. Then. Yeah. And then, and so, Kaiju, and then I yeah. love uh, Japanese film. Oh, okay, cool. Okay. Kurosawa was my favorite. Okay. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I'll admit I don't know very much about Japanese film. So I, but so 
I know Rhapsodized. a lot of it has been ripped off for Western films. Oh, really? Like, yeah, like they've stolen a lot of the plots of Japanese. But, but if you oh. get like if you get uh, Sergio Leone who does them, okay. he he does them very well. He Westernizes Kurosawa stories very well. Because like so. Star Wars is basically what is it? It's called the Hidden Fortress. Hidden Fortress. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah, you start picking out all the characters, and you're like, that was a that was a rip off. Right. Okay. But um, but Sergio Leone does Kurosawa films very well. Yeah. Okay, I have to write that down. While we're recording, I have to write it down. <laughs> <laughs> I do this all the time. Yeah. I could get into film analysis for three hours yeah. with you guys, but I, I mean, like the we can cover any ground we want. That's the whole point of the podcast. So yeah, I taught my kids to read by making them watch Seven Samurai with subtitles. Oh, really? You want to they're saying? Read the subtitles. So what? Like, is contemporary Japanese films like? Is it way way different? Like, because like Western film, you get you know your stereotypical action film, your stereotypical rom com. You get, like like what does that look like on like in Japan? The culture is still there. You can still see. Okay. I mean, I, I can still see the Japanese culture. Yeah. Um, and I and I get it. I understand what they're doing. Yeah. That doesn't interest me as much as the as the previous eras. Right. But, okay. Um, okay. But it's, I think it's just because it's such it's a completely different culture. Right. Yeah. I mean, okay. It's so different. Yeah. Okay. So Ika, what uh, what are you reading? What are you? Uh, what have you been watching that's exciting to you? I'm also reading three, four books at the same time. Okay. Oh, you one of the, see, I can't do that. I, yeah. I it's one it's, book it's at a time. It's one in each room. Yeah. Okay. Room, family room. You, it's no, I, I, I need the to one be, I bring to the doctor's office. Yeah. No, I, how do you do this? Oh, audio I get books confused. and splitting. So I have. Okay. I'm reading, I'm reading now. Sam Sykes. Uh, newest one okay I just bought it yesterday I forgot the title oh my god I'm so bad as a fan I'm sorry Sam (laughs) (laughs) I I, I don't think he's gonna listen to this it's fine (laughs) I'm so excited about this book and now I can't remember the name of the book Seven Blades or something yeah anyway the important thing is that you bought it yes Yes. so that's the one I have I'm reading right now and then I'm also listening to uh, Peter B. Brett's Painted Man or Warded Man okay yeah I've read that before so I'm listening to audiobooks so I love to listen to audiobooks when I'm doing chores or when I'm actually driving. Yeah. <laughs> this one, so you have a book in every room and audiobooks? Oh, yeah. Oh, God. I get more chores done with audiobooks. See, I, 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 I have not gotten into audiobooks no. yet. I'm, doing, I'm, reading, I'm listening to C.J. Cherry's Well Shawn right now. Okay. Like, for the fourth time. And what am I reading right now? Well, you read my book in, like, a few days. <laughs> yeah, I'll have your book in a few days. I read Gossamer's Mage. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah I, I did got, that for, I read it already. Yeah, that, it's yeah. awesome. That's so I read that for Black Eight. It's phenomenal. And um, Ice Massacre. I cannot remember the author's name. I'm sorry. It's a uh, mermaid. Oh, okay. Contemporary mermaid story. Oh, cool. It's very interesting. Um, Sweet. Yeah. I just, I usually, I'm a rereader. I will reread a book over and over. I'm just starting to become a rereader. For the longest time, I could never reread a book. And I just, I don't know why. I would get into it. And then because I already know how everything was going to end, I got bored and put it down. But then the first book I ever reread was uh, Dresden Files book of all things. And then, and then, slowly, I'm starting to get back into it. So I think we, I've reread Thousand Words for Stranger about eight, nine times. Oh, okay, nice. And yeah. I'm like, there's also hi, Julie. Like, <laughs> <laughs> she knows this already. Yeah, I'm also reading on on the ebook. I'm reading the Robin Hobbs Matchship Trilogy. So mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, so I'm many formats. Yeah, it's so different formats, formats depending on yeah. what I'm doing and where I am. So yeah. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I've yeah. got yeah. But shows, I don't really watch TV or okay. movie because I'm busy. <laughs> but, sure, that's fair. Sure. But I got into Critical Role. Oh! Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm such Excellent. a critter. Excellent! I'm such a critter! <laughs> that's awesome. And, yeah, I, I started watching the first episode because 
friends of mine were saying that you know we lost our dungeon master so they were like oh. um, hey you know you write stories you're pretty good at that why don't you become our dungeon master and I'm oh. like oh yeah that's like <laughs> that's how it starts yeah, that's it. <laughs> and then I was like trying to research on how to be a good DM and I saw Critical Role I watched one episode and now I'm on, I'm on episode 89 of the first time <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and I'm still in the Vox Machina campaign nice. so yeah, yeah I love it they're and so she posts reactions it's hilarious <laughs> yeah it's like what? I don't need to watch it. I just need to watch it. And nobody else understands because my friends and my family, they're like, you're watching a bunch of people si- sitting at a table just talk. What's wrong with you? No, like, it's so much more than that. Yeah. That's what nobody understands. Yeah. Like, it's like a radio drama or, or like or, or, uh, an audio play or something. Like, yeah. And then yeah, they yeah. do it so well and they're yeah. all yeah. Like this and all. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, that was exactly what happened to me with it as well was I had a bunch of people telling me, you've got you've to watch this. And I was like, there's no way watching other people play Dungeons and Dragons could be fun. And then finally I was like, okay, fine. I'm going to watch this thing. And like, Okay, and now I've suddenly watched it for 12 straight hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah. I guess watching, watching other people yeah, yeah. play Dungeons and Dragons is kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so now we're invested. Yeah, we're, yeah you well, know, yeah, we now I'm Can't turn back. Yeah, the problem is falling behind. Um, I'm like, I don't know, 40 episodes behind on Campaign 2 or something now, and I still haven't caught up. But, I mean, it's always there, is the good part. Yeah. Like, it doesn't really matter that you're behind. Yeah. That's true. That's a good point. I told people want to talk to you about that. I'm going vicariously through you. You do? Yeah. Oh. I post more then. <laughs> <laughs> Would you? I feel like I'm behind. Wait, 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 how long have you two known each other? Just out of curiosity. A long time. Yeah? Um, I'm getting that vibe. Yeah. But, but we only started really talking recently. We were we, Well, we talked and then we like had a few years off. Yeah. Something like everybody disappeared for a while. Oh. Yeah. Probably 15 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. How, did, how did you two first meet? Julie. The Trinidad Network. Trinidad Network. Oh, the Trinidad Network. Oh, yeah, the Trinidad yeah, Network. Yeah. Okay. It just started on, a, on SFF, though, right? Yes. SFF.net. SFF. How do I not know what that is? She had a, she had a news group on SFF.net. Oh. You're probably too young to know what that is. I am very young. Uh, yeah. <laughs> God, I feel old now. Yeah, so, and we all, and then she made us all move to Facebook. Yeah. Ah, and uh, yes. the Greystone Tower. And then, um, how, did, like, how did you get your start in writing, either of you? I've always written, I think, since I was young, and I don't know. People have always liked what I written, what I wrote, so they said, "Oh, maybe you should go into this." But okay, you didn't have anybody saying to you stop. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they stop. Okay, I stopped. <laughs> I'm just saying I'm very malleable. I'm like, oh, okay. She's very malleable. They're like, okay. I mean, that's the whole reason you're sitting here right now. You're doing a podcast. I am doing a podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, no, but and then, but I started fantasy writing after reading um, Paul Gara the Sorceress. So, by David Eddings. Yes. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my first introduction to fantasy, and my mom bought it by accident. <laughs> I was like, I'll read this. And I, I, I loved the idea of ha- being able to create worlds. Right. And you don't have to follow the rules, or you can con- you can kind of insert a lot of elements, politics, right. religion, or mm-hmm. religion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I started writing a bunch of stuff that never got anywhere, but then I also started talking to uh, Jenny Words, the author, and oh, she was okay, like, yeah. she pointed me to Julie's news group. So that's when I was like, hi, 17 years old, 16 years old. I was very young. <laughs> oh, stop it. I'm feeling so old. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> so yeah, that's when, that's when it started. I can't help you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm emotionally immature, so that's fine. Oh, perfect. <laughs> One foot firmly in childhood, I tell my students. <laughs> so yeah, that's where it started. And then Julie started putting out calls for submissions, and I right. submitted a few that got... Um, uh, I got through the first pass for her first ones. I can't remember what it was. Polaris. Polaris, Polaris yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Oh, right. So, yeah. yeah, but it was encouraging. She was very encouraging. And yeah. she was like, you know, try again she next time. Yeah. yeah. 
So, and then Ages of Wonder, I published there, and then Places, yeah. Cool. So, yeah. Cool. How'd you get your start? BF, Janet, what would you prefer me to do? Oh, either one. Either okay. How'd Everybody on News Group knows me as BF. Okay, I'm, I'll say BF then. Then it's um, out now. Um, <laughs> yeah, how'd you, how'd you get your start? Um, well, I was a film major. Right, So yeah, writing right. anyway, and then yeah. I started writing stories, not knowing what the hell I was doing. Yeah. Science Fiction Book Club, Thousand nice. Word for Strangers. Yeah. Wrote a snail mail letter. See how old I feel? Whoa. Wow. Wrote it to Daw. Daw sent it to Julie. Julie oh wrote me back. Holy crap. I know, right? So, and then we were just, for years, I mean, it's just wow. been years. So, I met her, I think, after three or four or five years. Okay. Knowing each other, we finally met cool. at Ad Astra. Okay. And uh, she, she used to have a little writing contest on her news group. You just, like, you know, flash fiction. Yeah, yeah. And it was oh. really fun. It was like, there's no rules, you know, and there's no pressure. Yeah. And then she, then she asked me to submit. I'm like, are you kidding me? She goes, yes, okay. <laughs> yes, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'll actually finish the story. And then I got the acceptance letter. I went, because I'm expletive. And <laughs> You're allowed to curse on this podcast. Are you? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we have just an explicit warning. <laughs> on we we, we do have the parental advice. Sure Mostly because I, of me. I'm pretty sure I went, oh, fuck. And yeah. waved it in front of my husband and <laughs> um, asked him to read it to make sure I wasn't screwing up. And, yeah, and it just it's, it's addictive. Yeah. Especially when she tells you, keep writing. Yeah. And she yeah. keeps inviting you back for more. Yeah. And it's... Yeah. And it, it is. It's very addictive. And it's 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 a really good release. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So... Do you use it as, like, almost as, like, a form of therapy? I think a lot of writers do that, but... When I yeah. started, I didn't. I think I do now. Oh, okay. I look at, back at what I'm writing, I'm like, yeah, that says something. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> I'm not going to explain it, but that's... Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, I think I do now. Okay. You ever... Uh, and I think you... I write better now. Maybe therapy's better. Maybe. All right. Eek, I saw you nodding along a bit. Yeah. Um, actually, um, I wrote my uh, no, my most recent novel that I wrote last year. I wrote it within eight months. Okay. It was also a period of my mom had just passed. Oh, wow. So, so it was it was therapy. It was yeah. it was my playtime and something I went to. But I when I wrote it, I'm the type of writer who writes and can't remember what she writes. So oh, interesting. I write a chapter and I never know where I'm where I'm going. So I kind okay. of have a vague idea of where the plot is going. But I it feel, worked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And then when I, I reread some of the chapters, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wrote this? Okay. And it was a reflection of how I was feeling and some scenes. Oh, I got to go back and read it now. Yes, please. I'll go back and read it's it. Not, it's in it. my room. Yeah, no, she, she, because now she's reading my second book, chapter by chapter. Oh, I cool. I get it piecemeal. Oh, no, yeah, so gotcha. Like, Where's chapter eight? I'm writing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she said if she wasn't here at the podcast, she'd be writing. So I'm really... Letting you guys have her oh, be writing for I, me. Okay, I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Do you say the the first novel just came out or is about to come out? Oh no, it's just something I, I've not published. Oh, yet. oh okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I misheard that. Earlier. I'm shopping it around at the moment, but yeah, let's. Okay. Let's see. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Do you want to like? Can you can you talk? Do you want to talk about it a little bit? What it's about, or yeah. or do you want to keep it? No, not really. I mean, like, <laughs> you, you don't have to. I'm just, I'm just curious. Um, it's about family. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and that it's works. a weird. Yeah. Um, how do we start? I don't know. It's so weird. Um, it is about an, a man. It's it's a combination of the human world and the fae world. So it's, okay, it's gotcha. set in old England and all that. And uh, it's about this man who... He's a cripple. So the story starts with him uh, crippled and all that. And yeah. Because I don't like heroes who are perfect. I right. like mm-hmm. heroes who are, hero, who are human. And But he is the adopted brother and son of these uh, royals in the fae 
Oh, oh okay. okay. Gotcha. But because uh, what led him to being crippled drew, drove him out of the fair realm. He's like, I'm done with that. You know, I want to start a new life somewhere else. Okay. Five years later, his brother shows up. We have a problem. Right. So yeah, that's when that's when it starts. Cool. Yeah. cool. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I like the sound of that. She writes very good characters. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. I'm not a, I'm not an epic fantasy reader usually. Oh, okay. And I didn't put it down. So. That's a good sign. Yeah, that's a good sign. Yeah. And he has a cat. And he has of a course. Cat. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So anybody who knows you is gonna be like, ah. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I actually had commission artwork because this is how I process things. Yeah. I commission artwork, and the cat is based modeled exactly as my my disabled cat. So oh, cool. Like, oh, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I like like I like that idea of an imp- like the heroes need to be imperfect. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Favorite imperfect hero? Anybody? Hmm. Batman. Oh, okay. I don't like superheroes with special powers. Okay, I mean he does have a Batman, superpower. Batman, no, much. he's just fucked up. That's I true. mean he's got a screwed that, up yeah. head. And That's a fair point. If you look at where he's coming from, from that, he's a fascinating character. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I like that. Yeah, and didn't he blow through three robins? I mean, wasn't <laughs> <there>? <laughs> <laughs> they're just expendable. It's fine. Okay. Well, but, one of them graduated. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, one of them. Yeah, the third yeah. one lived, right? Or yeah. the second uh, well, one left, well, or. I can't remember now. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah. I mean, I, is that really a graduation? Is that well, no, Dick like, Grayson's doing his own thing now. The original Rob's... Rob yeah, but isn't he just as screwed up? Yeah, he's in Titan Tower or something, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, he's screwed up. <laughs> yeah, I thought that I mean, like, is it really a graduation? Well, he's not like, dead. I mean, one of them was dead for a while. For a while. <laughs> is he not anymore? No, they brought him back. Oh, okay. I, yeah, it's comics. Nobody stays back. Oh, that's great. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, don't read, I don't read a lot of comics. Even one of the... Like, there used to be the saying that the only characters in comics that stay dead are Uncle Ben and Bucky. But Bucky's not dead uh, anymore, he's not so dead. now we're just down to Uncle Ben. Yeah, but I mean, he's even flashbacks and stuff. Yeah. He's not even. Yeah. But yeah, nobody's dead for long. No, that's a fair. Yeah, 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 Batman for sure. Anybody else? Flawed hero. Flawed heroes. Um, and I use the term hero very loosely. Yeah. Joe Abercrombie's slogan. Oh. He is fucked up. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he is weird. I love it when you use that word. I know, yeah. It just sounds so good. <laughs> Curse more. Yeah, because I'm so like. Proper and free, I'm not supposed to kiss him. Not at all. <laughs> not if you know yeah. me. Yeah. So, yeah. I yeah, mean, Logan Ninefingers. He's he awesome. Was, and he's awesome. And, he, yeah, and yeah. he's amazing when he's in that crazy mode. He gets shit done. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. I, lo- I love all the... Did you, have you read um, like all the first love books? Like, it, through yeah. the, um, I can't remember what the last one was, the, where Logan comes back. Um, I remember the covers. I don't remember the title. The Red it's Country? Strange. Red Country, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Right? And, yes, and, years and, later. Yes. Yeah, and he's dealing yeah. with all like the, the aftermath of... Have yeah. you guys read the first law books, the Joe Abercrombie? Mm-hmm. Uh, I have not. I'm going to now. It's my it, it, It's very it's very grimdark, like, but, but the character work is phenomenal, and then Logan is amazing. Yeah. Um, what is it, what, what in particular, like, aside from him, uh, like, getting shit done, what, like, what in particular about his character do you like? It's like, he's very, he tries to deny that he is that person. He tries oh, okay. to deny that he is, yeah, 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 he yeah. is this sadistic you know he has a, he, he has like a split personality like yeah. almost schizophrenia yeah it's almost like, like a Jekyll and Hyde yeah Jekyll really, and Hyde yeah. situation and he tries to to push it down so much but at the end of it I love how he's just like nope this is me yeah. like you know and, what it is. And, and he gets things done it's, yeah. it's like a, when things were stuck or when the, the union was fighting oh um, yeah I know what you mean yeah, yeah that yeah. scene yeah. and you just throw Logan there and it's like yeah, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Yeah, I love the repeated lines of his throughout the books. It's like, like, was it say one thing about Logan Ninefingers? Say he's a whatever, and yeah. it's different every single time, and it's hilarious. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, you can never have too many knives or something like that. That's yeah, you can never have too many knives. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing. And then, oh, and there's another one that I used to, I used to quote all the time. That is a good slogan. You can never have too many knives. You can never have too many yeah. knives. There's another one I used to quote all the time to my students, and I can't remember what, what it is now. I've got to look it up. That's going to bug me. Evan, yeah. look it up. Same one. Which one? A lot. It's uh, same one. You've thing given me nothing to go on. Yeah. Just Logan Ninefinger quotes. Oh, wait. I'm on here. Okay, yeah. Because yeah, cause you never have too many knives, but then there was another one, and I can't remember what it is. Yeah. And maybe partly the, the character that I wrote was partly inspired by Glockta. Glockta is oh, another... Yeah. He is... He makes me laugh. Oh he my makes God. me laugh. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. He's so weird, and it's it's so wrong. But then I I can't not uh, root for him in a lot of ways. Yeah, and he's evil. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually going to be on a panel later about talking about evil villains, and this is one. Oh of yeah. Them. Yeah, and you you can't look at him and think he's a villain because he's doing things on. Yeah. There's a reason why he's doing all these things, and at the end of the day, how he treated R D and what he. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. How he took care of her—it was like those were some of the redeeming qualities. Yeah, he does go through this kind of the, this redemption arc because I think he's he's shaped by everything that's happened to him, and he almost tries to resist it. Yeah, which I think yeah, for, like, uh, for Evan and, and BF, um, yeah, Glockta is this uh, crippled inquisitor slash yes. torturer for the Union. Yes, and, and he has this incredibly dark job. Um, and I don't. And he doesn't. He, I don't think he ever means to be funny, but he's. Just, it's just so hilarious. Yeah. Um, everything that he does. He has a warped view of the world. Because Such of a warped view. To him, yeah. But it works. So. Yeah. It totally works. Yeah. So yeah, him and Logan. Yeah. 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 Hands down, I, I love them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know who else I really liked in that series? Um, the I, the guy. The, oh, God, I can't remember his name now. I'm terrible at this. Um, you need more tea this morning. I really right? do. <laughs> I've only had just that, and that's not nearly enough. Uh, no, he showed up more in the heroes. He was the head of the king's guard, and then he gets disgraced. Got a really high pitched voice. It's oh, huge. I can't remember his name. Oh, that guy. What's his name? I'm horrible. I'm horrible at yeah. this. Also, yeah, but anyway, anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's this massive king's guard, and he ends up he screws something up and gets disgraced, and and he's embarrassed by the fact that he has this incredibly high pitched voice, and he tries to hide it all the time. Yeah. And but like whenever the story is told from his POV, it is so funny because he sees everything going on around him, and and, and but won't comment on it because he need he you know he's needs to be respected needs to fit in and then eventually just loses his mind yeah but yeah and uh, do you read the other ones what happened to Shivers in yes yeah yeah that yeah. one was a really good book as well yeah Shivers is so, I felt so bad for that guy like yes. nothing goes right for him yep Ever. Yeah. He like, started out as this really nice idealistic young Northman who followed who ended up with Well that's just asking for trouble. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Idealistic Northman? Yeah. 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 He was so screwed. He had no hope. <laughs> yeah, and he ends up like losing his eye. Yeah, and, and just getting beat on and, and losing all hope whatsoever, getting abandoned by everybody and becomes like just a an enforcer for somebody else. And yeah. like by the end it almost doesn't seem like the same guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's pretty tragic. It's a gra- grim dark series, but I've yeah. okay, can't stop it. reading it. You yeah. convinced me. Okay, good, perfect. Sold. You're welcome, Joe Abercrombie. <laughs> <laughs> there were times when he did something in the book, and I would like, direct tweet him and say, "Oh yeah. no, you monster!" Yeah, he never replies, of course. <laughs> no, of course not. No, I, did I did that. <laughs> One of the few times I've ever tweeted something and regretted it, um, because I was talking with um, Mary Robinette Cole about Abercrombie like at the Nebulous years ago, and, and she said the same thing about Glockta. That, that, but and so we're talking about this character. And then, like months later, I'm reading what it, like the heroes or something in the series, and and I tweeted at Abercrombie like I love you know that we're seeing Logan again, we're seeing all these characters, but I, where's Glockta? I, I want to see what happens to him next. And I said, right, Mary Robinette, 
And she's like, nope, I'm not commenting. Yeah. And I'm like, damn it. I tried to, try to mm-hmm. rope Mary Robin it in. And, yeah. So is this, is this your first Canadian con? No. Yes. Is it actually? Wow. Yeah. Okay, so what, like, how are you enjoying it? What do you think? I, I love it. I mean, it's nice to be in a community of other writers. Yeah. In the same genre who love what you love. Because back home, we do have a strong writing community. Okay. Back home also. But it's not the same as, I don't know, I just feel like it's not the same as being out here. Right, okay. We have so many different perspectives and points of views. I, you know, it's the same back home as well, but I just feel that it's yeah. stronger here. Yeah, so yeah, it's good. It's I've been talking books and publishing and writing for the past week that I'm here, and I'm, I'm loving it. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to go home. Just, just, <laughs> just, just stay. Canada's <laughs> lovely. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, customs we, will come and like... Yeah. <laughs> By the <laughs> time they hear part. this, we'll hide you somewhere. It's fine. <laughs> just, no, we have safe houses. Yeah, Canada customs, they don't care. It's oh, fine. But the custom, the, the thing, the process to get here was not easy. Really? Oh, really? There were like 20 different forms to fill out. Seriously? Wow. Oh, yeah, just to visit? Just to visit. Oh, I mean, they just go, oh, American, go. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're we fine, know you're going to leave. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what, like, so fantasy isn't big back home? It's it, it, it's a growing uh, market. There okay. are a lot more writers. And um, Sorcerer to the Crown by Zencho, yes. she's, she's Malaysian. It, okay, I didn't yes. realize so, that. So, yeah, so there's a lot of writers who are building their name in the fantasy yeah. and fiction and other genres so it's 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 become it's getting there okay cool but in the larger scale of what's going on I, I think maybe because I don't mix around with them enough okay that's my bad <laughs> <laughs> but because I've been doing this with them for 15 years with, with right. Janet and with Julie and with everyone else so it just felt natural to come this way Right, okay. Yeah. And my stories have been published here. When I sent right. them back home, they're like, we want romance stories. I'm like, I don't write romance. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm back home, yeah. people ask what I write. I used to say science fiction and fantasy, and you get the blank stares. Yeah. So now I say speculative fiction, they go, oh. Okay. <laughs> really, that lands more than sci-fi and fantasy? I think it's more of a, yeah, less, less of a blank stare. I don't hang out with, oh, okay. I, I don't have writer friends at back home. Oh, Okay. They're all up here in Canada, right? Yeah, <laughs> or, yeah. or in Seattle, or in Malaysia. Ika's <laughs> like, and, and me, don't forget about <laughs> and, and France, and I mean, everywhere but home. Right. And okay. So, do you find that like non-writers really just don't get it? No yeah. disrespect to non-writers. Well, I don't think anybody I know really reads the genre I write right, or yeah. what I read. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. My daughter right. does, but other than that, yeah, I don't hang out with yeah. other. And their first response is always, "Oh, is this another Harry Potter book? Are you going to uh, be like Jackie Rowling?" It's uh, always that. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. Or you, you, you explain to them what it is, and they're like, "Okay." Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh, that that's nice. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's I come up here, I totally geek out because I'm with yeah. all my friends who write and read what I read, and yeah, yeah, I can yeah. say an author, and they know who I'm talking about. Right. Yeah. And yeah. It's I was I was struggling. Very with, refreshing. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, I hear that. I always struggle with like um, like I'm a high school teacher by day, and, I, and I'll talk books with people at work, and everybody's talking about no disrespect to the greats because um, I'm being recorded, um, <laughs> but everybody's talking about you know Lord of the Flies and, and 1984 and and uh, To Kill a Mockingbird and whatever, and then they ask me, oh, well, what are you reading? And I list off all these sci-fi and fantasy authors that we all know because we're in the world, right. but. No, like unless you're reading nothing but sci-fi and fantasy, nobody knows these people, and they just look at me like I'm crazy. Yeah. But I would, I mean, I was reading an article about this uh, last week, I think. Okay. Where someone was asking the question, like, is there actually anything in the in those like quote unquote classics that you couldn't cover with newer mm. fiction? Like, is there a reason why we are still using like? 30, 40, 50 year old books yeah. beyond sheer laziness. No laziness. I that, think. you know, 
we've always taught these books. Yes. They've always been in the curriculum. Yeah. Like, is there actually any, like, granted they're good books. Yeah. But is there anything that is so good about them that we couldn't replace them with something? Teacher? I, I give you the, the, and I can only speak, I can only really speak for Ottawa because every school board is a little bit different. And I know Toronto um, does way better than we do in terms of introducing new books. Um, I, issue number one is budget. Sure. Because books are freaking expensive. Yeah, and, yeah. and, like, we've got something like 12 sections of grade 9 at my school. Sure. And mm-hmm. so you would need 12 class sets, or at least half that of, like, class sets of, of new books. And, and we have no money. Um, and so so that's issue number one. And then the issue number two is laziness. They, like, there's a bunch of people who, colleagues of mine will say, and they'll never listen to this, um, <laughs> who will say, you know, I've been teaching whatever, like, uh, and Shakespeare they always come back to. But, and no disrespect to Shakespeare, but, like, you know, I've been teaching whatever play the same way for the past, you know, the past 10 years it's what I know yeah. I don't want to have to learn how to teach a new book yeah. and I'm like why like why not and because I, and I make that same argument that you can you know like To Kill a Mockingbird is, a, is an amazing book but um, it's not accessible for kids these days yeah. you, you can talk about the issues that are in To Kill a Mockingbird in a much more relevant way I think with a newer book and yeah. it doesn't have to be literature either well I mean whatever literature well, yeah, yeah, but yeah. like like contemporary lit, or yeah. like what I like, like you could talk about, uh, like Marrow Thieves is big. A lot of teachers are talking about that now, um, just because it happens to be on a lot of like Scotia Bank and, yeah, and, yeah, and like you know, CBC list, sort yeah. of lists. But um, other than that, it's all it's all contemporary lit. But yeah, but it's budget and, and laziness is really what it comes back to. Um, although To Kill a Mockingbird is uh, being pulled, we're no longer. I just found out we're no longer allowed to teach it. I forget why there was some sort of like parents were getting pissed off about to kill a mockingbird, and so, See, it, so it's been taken we homeschooled. So anything oh, about okay. the school district, I'm like, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it's it, it's bonkers sometimes. Yeah. But I find like in like I I mostly teach history and, and social studies, and and then I get a, I have a creative writing course, and I don't teach any other English, um, and I'm happy with that. <laughs> but um, the. Uh, so, like, in history and social studies, we're innovating all the time. The science department is innovating all the time. The English department is the only one that I think doesn't innovate at all, which makes no sense to me whatsoever. No, there's so many books that you could replace. Yeah. I mean, it's just... Yeah. All, all, I mean, well, the first anthology I was in with Julie, Fantastic yeah. Companions, was written for high school oh, okay. uh, literature class yeah. for anthropomorphizing oh, characters. Oh, okay. And that was intended for that. And I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, that's a really good idea. So, um... Yeah. Well, we don't do that down in the States. Maybe they do. I don't know. We homeschooled. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I, 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 I don't hear, like, you know, I, don't, yeah, I don't hear much about it. I don't know many people who are American um, high school teachers. Or the only person I know teaches at a, a, a private school. Um, I can't how can she, how she describes it. It's a, a, it's a private school for, like, gifted kids, and she teaches, like, three courses a year on science fiction. And um, that sounds like a dream job, but... I have a friend neighbor who's a biology teacher in oh, high okay. school. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's not thrilled with the school business. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think many people are. <laughs> My impression is in the States it's extremely variable. Yes. Yeah. Like yes. it depends it's very much what state you're in. Right? Right? And yeah. and yeah. Yes. Like if you're in a private school, you probably get it's to a do totally different cool things like teach. Yeah. And there's charter schools yeah. and Right. But I still don't even understand what a charter school is. Charter school is like homeschooling, but you still gotta do what the school district wants you to do, which I Oh, don't. okay. Where's, really? where's homeschool do you you can do whatever the hell you want really? in Nevada yeah okay. you just have to do a letter of intent and yeah and there's no testing there's no interesting see I yeah. think ours is a little bit more uh, prescriptive because we can do homeschooling in Ontario but I think and again this might be an Ottawa specific thing but I'm pretty sure they're like you, you're given the curriculum 
and and you're still kind of like there are certain things you still have to cover. I think the first three years, I took everything off the internet, and then then I started buying curriculum, right? Like yeah, math yeah. books and stuff like right, that. Yeah, but yeah. no, there's no rules in Nevada. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, it's it's one of the best homeschooling states because they assume if you're going to do it, you want to teach your kids. Yeah, that would be. People yeah. say, "Well, you just sit in front of the TV." Well, no, then send them to school. You know, yeah, exactly. so uh, <laughs> so yeah, no kidding. Okay, cool. Yeah, so from first grade on, my yeah, kids yeah, yeah. were, and they did read Shakespeare. Nice. Yeah, and again, I don't want to knock Shakespeare at all. No, well, like, they weren't fond of it. I'm just no, I mean, I, I didn't get into Shakespeare really until second year university. I hated it in high school. My Whoa, son man. ripped Romeo and Juliet. It was a okay. beautiful report. Nice. <laughs> Romeo and Juliet, it's an, I don't know why we teach that in high school. It's an awful yeah. play. It's not an awful play. It is so an awful play. It, it Fuck is, you, Evan. No, <laughs> it is not an awful play. Uh, people misunderstand the play pretty thoroughly. Oh. It is not supposed to be a lovely romance. No, it's, it's not. not supposed to be a lovely it's romance. It's not. It, it, you, no, it's a tragedy. Yes. So, I mean, a lot of people, they come and into Romeo it, and what they've heard is... a whiny prick. Yes. But they're supposed to be, they're teenagers. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, the idea that these are supposed to be two idealized romantic protagonists is absolutely not the case. That True. is not what Shakespeare is right. trying to do. Right, of course. But that's, and how like, it's, that's how it's taught. That's why it might Well, well and I mean, that's sad. the kind of cultural assumption that people and have. Right? It's, oh, it's the greatest romance ever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Lerman or whatever. Like... It is not the greatest romance ever. It is not supposed to be. No. And no, these are not supposed to be idealized romantic protagonists. They are whiny teenagers. Yes. <laughs> and they, they are intended to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think for what Shakespeare was trying to do with the story, as usual, he did it very well. Okay. Yes. I, okay. It is yeah. thoroughly okay. misunderstood. Okay, yes, okay. okay. I mean, we should declare that there's a terrible play to teach. We shouldn't, like, in a high school, I think, is well, a I mean, better place to teach. My position is someone who likes Shakespeare quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. And didn't particularly dig it when I was in high school. Yeah. And now, like, I do a little bit of English tutoring with high school students. Right, okay. And, yeah, none of them like Shakespeare. Yeah. Uh, I don't think we should do Shakespeare in high school. Okay. Like, I, 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 no. Okay. No. Because most of them, it's too hard. Um, it's inaccessible because of the cultural distance. There's like 500 years of distance between yeah. us and Shakespeare. All we're doing by forcing them to do it every year in high school is making people not like Shakespeare mm-hmm. and give them that experience of Shakespeare's awful and I hate it. Um, you know what you want to get them to like Shakespeare? Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Yes. That will get them to like Shakespeare. Yeah. And I mean, you know, let people let people come to it at yeah. a later time um, I my don't my kids loved Hamlet after they saw yeah. that oh yeah I can see that yeah. I, I don't agree with the with the idea that oh well you're not educated if you haven't read Shakespeare and oh yeah that, no, that's, 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 no, that's, no, that's not true yeah. absolutely uh, and yeah people will who want to get into it will come to it later in life and we should let people do that I don't think we should do it in high school at all okay. if we want to do drama there's much more accessible drama that we can get people into nice I mean I love Shakespeare but I, I don't think we should do it in high school at all yeah. okay yeah. Certainly not every year, starting in grade nine. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, but yeah, but look, I, I think it'll always be there. I well, and yeah, I mean, I think that laziness yeah. factor, and yeah, if you have yeah, like a whole bunch of English teachers who, yeah, every year I've yeah. taught Twelfth Night or Romeo and Juliet, and yeah, yeah, okay, well now you're not doing that. Yeah, they'll be upset. But right, yeah, <laughs> so we've established that, he, that that teachers are lazy. Well, <laughs> I mean, I look, and I'm gonna get fired. <laughs> I mean, I'm a teacher as well, and yeah, I mean, there is a certain attractiveness to, yeah, I'll just teach the course the same way I taught it every year, because now I don't have to rework it. Yeah. Um, it's not a good attitude, but I mean, I, <laughs> but I, I, I get it, I get it, yeah, right? No, that's it. I get it. Yeah, you like, gotta figure it out. Yeah. I feel like we just rambled for a bit of a... Yeah, we did, but we that's went right. a little bit of a rant. Say, say about again? About? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh did I do the... You did the... Did I do the... Yeah, if I talk really quickly, I don't notice it. I do. 
They did that to me. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> they did that to me when I studied in England for a while. Too. Oh, yeah, did they? they? Like, Gavin, say about again. Oh, God damn it. God damn it. <laughs> now, now I'm, I'm never so going to say that word. I'm never saying that word ever again. <laughs> ever again. Um, Pick out the Americans here. We'll go. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, I, um, whatever, at work, I say... I'm talking about my principal and, and my VPs. I say admin, and apparently I, that's weird. People have said like I, I say it too formally or something. Admin. Admin. Yeah. I, yeah. I say, oh, you know, we're gonna go talk to the admin. That's oh, I see what they're me. saying. I, I have no you, idea. Oh, yeah. You kind of split it into two. I guess. You say the admin. Yeah, and apparently, oh. and they think it sounds very like like precise, and they make fun of me for Interesting. it. Interesting. Well, we're going to strange places. We really are. Hi, my name is Eric Choi. I'm a Toronto-based science fiction writer and editor. It is my day job. I'm an aerospace engineer. And in 2009, I was one of the top 40 finalists in the Canadian Space Agency's astronaut recruitment. I didn't make it, obviously. You know, from Toronto, from you know, all over the place, and just kind of yeah. sit down and chat. Have you been to Ad Astra before? Oh, yeah. I was here, oh, yeah. I was here two years ago. This is, this is my first Ad Astra. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, yeah. When were you at GOH here? Oh, it's been a few years. Okay. Um, yeah. It's yeah, been okay. a while. Yeah, yeah. I'm not Julie, so... Well, I still find, like... I, I, who I, among I, us I, is... I, 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 <laughs> I, like, I still find it hard to believe. Like, I remember when... When were you guest upon it for us? Was it 2016 or 2017? Yeah, it's probably 2016. It's okay. been a few years as well. Um, and, and I could still remember whether, like, your amazement at being guest of honor. And I'm like, dude, you're yeah. awesome. Like, well, no. I mean, it's... it's it, it is truly an honor, right? And yeah. it's not, like, a regular thing that... You know, there's... Anyway, I, I I I am still kind of flabbergasted by the whole thing, and I'm very grateful for the whole thing. So you know, whatever I can do to yeah, help and earn my keep, I'm happy awesome. to do it. The one thing that it dawned on me um, that I don't actually know about you is how you got into writing. Like, how did you start? It is quite fortuitous that you would ask that question because uh, this is actually the I am that old. It's it's the 25th anniversary of me getting started with this. Seriously? It is. And it all started with the Dell Magazine's award, the Dell Magazine's contest. Oh. And in fact, they had me down in Florida back in March for the 25th anniversary. Oh, no. So I was the very first recipient of what was then called the Asimov Award, now the Dell Magazine's Award, wow. uh, bestowed upon a presumably deserving undergraduate <laughs> student writing in speculative fiction, so science fiction, right, okay. horror, uh, fantasy, what, what have you. And as shocked as I am that anybody wants me as a guest of honor for anything, you can imagine my shock 25 years ago as a spanking young undergrad yeah. that... Somebody thought my writing was good enough to bestow this award upon me. So I am forever grateful to the late Gardner Dozois, right. uh, Rick Wilbur, and Sheila Williams for kicking off my writing career. Wow. And indeed, in the last 25 years, kicking off a, a number of uh, notable careers, including, I must say, a fair number of Canadians. So as, as yeah. part of my remarks down in Florida, yeah. I did a little tally of breakdown of you know, women versus men okay. and Americans versus non-Americans. I Fortunately, I don't have this off the top of my head right yeah. now. 
But uh, I made a semi-serious, if there's such a thing, a semi-serious joke that uh, (laughs) Rich Larson alone accounted for something like 8% of the runners-up and and winners. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, Rich Larson. You need to get him on this, We actually did. I forgot to mention. Oh, you did? Excellent. Yeah, we had Rich on. Yeah, Rich with, with Kate, and I think we spent half the episode like teasing about how many stories he's had published and how freaking ridiculous that is. Yeah, it's a across it, all it's an astonishing. Number. Yeah, yeah. And, and across like he's such a diverse writer. Like he'll yeah. go from hard SF to borderline horror. Like yeah. it's, it's 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 just remarkable. Yeah, oh, yeah. It was funny. Like just reading his stuff. I I I, I don't know a lot, but I thought mm. I knew something about this community. It's like yeah. who is this person? And judging from the outstanding quality and quantity of this work yeah this person must have been around forever right why have i never heard of this yeah. person like oh my goodness this person is like some you know really young person from yeah. he's younger than Alberta. me Alberta. <laughs> and he's like sharing his stuff out yeah. it's, it's no, like yeah. it's it's a he's just yeah. truly amazing yeah yeah i don't even know what to say about rich like really yeah. like he like he's lovely but also intimidating just because of how much of yes. and, and I've said this to him, like he's, he's an, like an incredibly intimidating force and so incredibly quiet. And he's had an interesting life. I think he's lived all over the place yeah. in the world. Um, was he born in Belize or something like that? Oh, something or? like that. I can't remember yeah. off the top of my head. We're going to get it wrong and he's going to write it. And he's going to write it. So there's going to be this pitchfork <laughs> yielding mob of Rich Larson <laughs> fans yeah, and pissed off Ontario conservatives who are going to like come to my door. Basically. Hey, and, hey, that'll be better than the eight listeners we had last yep. season. So, or what did we say? Eight, eight, yeah, like we were at eight by yeah, the end of the season. Yeah. So do you remember what that that first story was that won you that award? Absolutely. The story was called Dedication. Okay. And the premise was a Mars mission that uh, goes wrong. Okay. Oh, okay. How they get themselves out of that situation. So it's interesting because that story was also picked up a few years later mm. in Japanese translation. Really? Yeah. Oddly yeah. enough. So, so, so my one... Uh, officially translated work yeah was that one oh cool and in Japanese and that doesn't count my other two unofficially translated works which was years ago uh, I think when Jeff Landis was on the Sifwa Music Grief Con or, 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 or one of the like, like basically sussing out sort of online scams and it's like hey Eric oh. do you realize that your oh, story no dedication oh has God. been like translated into Spanish and oh, it's like <laughs> there it was and it's like wow I know this isn't supposed to happen but this is actually kind of flat <laughs> in a way yeah. you know yeah. and yeah my stuff is good enough to be stolen right? <laughs> it was like my stuff is actually kind of good enough to be like stolen and yeah, yeah, actually yeah. somebody made the effort to translate this oh, I, you know this was like um, this was a few years ago so it was yeah. like just on the cusp of Google Translate so uh, I think it was just before yeah, yeah, Google yeah. Translate so the remarkable thing is some so- poor soul <laughs> actually went to the effort of translating my story presumably okay because I'm you know, I, yeah. you know to my discredit I don't speak Spanish but uh, I'm presuming it was it was yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would I would hope so Mars mission that goes wrong yeah in Spanish okay which it is, is as remarkable <laughs> as the time I was in Thailand now in, in, in Thailand they have these uh, inner city buses okay. uh, which are a really cheap way to, to get from you know one place to another right okay and what are great about these buses is unlike like your you know Greyhound or Megabus or whatever they actually serve like 
snacks and drinks. Oh, cool. Oh. And they show movies, like, on a plane. So they had these screens oh, where they showed yes. movies, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the movie they chose to show was the dubious Harrison Ford classic Air Force One. Okay. So, Don't you dare say dubious. <laughs> actually, I, I should not use... Word, that Eric. is true. That is true. That, that you know, the Harrison Ford is not dubious in anything. <laughs> it's, it's actually like the 25th anniversary of The Fugitive or something, which yeah, is like, yeah, you know, yeah. the, one, of the, one of the great you know, no, action, yeah. thinking man's action films of, of all time. But I, I get to that is that there, there was the delightful pleasure of watching Harrison Ford yeah. and Gary Oldman speaking Thai. <laughs> you know, while they were like duking it out on Air Force One, so this is oh one of the remarkable dubious stories of my life is like, yeah. to watch Air Force One on a bus in Thailand bus in and Thailand. watching Harrison Ford speaking Thai. Were you able to follow the story at all? Abs- well, I, I, I vaguely know the story. I couldn't follow the the, the dialogue anymore because yeah. I, I learned a Thai word. Oh yeah, which is kokun uh, krap, which I think means thank you. Oh. Because there was a scene where Gary Oldman. Being his Gary Oldman terrorist self, yeah, with threatens to Russian kill accent. with a thick fake Russian accent, very fake. threatening to kill people unless they came and refueled the plane or something like that. And then when they finally acquiesce to doing it, he says, "Thank you very much." <laughs> so then I remember that one line: "Kokun crap on the radio." Ah, kokun crap. This 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 is a useful word yeah, for, actually... for the rest of my travels <laughs> yes. in Thailand. Yeah. Oh man, so you going to work on? I am. Cool. Uh, very much looking forward to that. Nice. And at the risk of perhaps revealing a bit of a prejudice on my part, do is it. I do it okay? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, no hold barred. No hold barred. I very much look forward to the world cons outside of North America. Okay, now absolutely. with yeah, with yeah. you know, I I love all world cons. I've right, been yeah. to an LA world con. I've been to the Montreal world con. You no, know, back in the day, yeah. there was a Winnipeg world con, but. I find the ones outside of North America are truly world cons. Right. So, as an example, uh, the previous world con, which was Helsinki mm-hmm. in 2017, there were panels put on by Romanian fandom, and there nice. were panels put on by Colombian yeah, fandom yeah, yeah. and German fandom. And, you know, of all of us here, sort of privileged in our little place in in Canada in, in North America many of us you know monolingually speaking one language yeah. I, I, I think these perspectives are very important yeah, you know, not just within fandom yeah. but you know touching on every facet of uh, society and yeah, politics yeah. you know we got to get out there and open our eyes and ears and our hearts and our minds to uh, to diversity and, yeah, and to other ideas. And, and, and you never know what you're going to learn. So yeah. this Romanian panel at Worldcon Helsinki, somebody asked the panelist, is horror a popular genre in Romania? And this yeah. person said, well, actually, no, because... We lived through years of the Ceausescu okay. regime, yeah. Yeah. and you know when yeah. you've lived through the real thing for decades, <laughs> yeah. you know the fiction just doesn't yeah. appeal anymore. Yeah. That's yeah. it. I yeah, it's funny. Like, and you don't get, you don't learn that without actually talking to people from mm-hmm. those perspectives. I can remember CanCon. When did we have Wabrace? Two years ago. Two years ago, yeah. 
so a couple years ago, um, I did a uh, moderated panel with with Wab Rice and Jay Ojik, and we okay. and it was specifically about um, Indigenous perspectives and and post apocalyptic fiction because they both had works coming out uh, that were post apocalyptic, and that was the point that both of them made was that there's a very very different attitude towards um, post apocalyptic fiction among a lot of Indigenous peoples because you know a lot of their daily lives is almost akin to what you see in a lot of post-apocalyptic films right it's hey, so it, it, totally it, it, if you haven't had clean drinking water for decades right. yeah yeah that's yeah. yeah so it's a totally different attitude than say you know a white guy living in toronto in a you know in a high rise um but you don't get that perspective without talking to people from those backgrounds mm-hmm. yeah i forget who Wob quoted as saying he was talking to someone from a First Nations community who said, well, our world ended 400 years ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Uh that's the perspective that they're coming from. And yeah, I mean, that was, I mean, it was a really cool panel for a bunch of reasons. But yeah, having that completely different perspective on something that, yeah, for people from our culture is a kind of cool what if. Yeah. It's very different from people, yeah, who are living, basically living through it. Basically, yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's on my as soon as I can afford it. It's on my bucket list. Well, like, you, you know, the there's the, the, there's the thing is the unfortunate thing is it ain't cheap to go to. A no, yeah, exactly. Anywhere. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I I I couldn't go to Spokane for for, yeah. for that reason. That's Same. It's in North America, but it's still travel. It's still a yeah, cost, that's it. right? And that's exacerbated when you're in places like Dublin or yeah. Helsinki yeah. or. Um, I think it's been held in in, in Japan. When oh, okay. I would have been thrilled to yeah. go to one in Japan. So there's there, there, there's economic issues. There are environmental and sustainability issues. Absolutely. If you look yeah. from the standpoint of what the overall, not just economic but environmental costs yeah. of yeah. of traveling back yeah. back and forth. So if we're in a speculative fiction podcast here, yeah, in maybe fifteen hundred years time, we can. If not teleport, then maybe VR and uh, other remote communications have gotten to the point where it is almost, uh, to quote one of the titles of one of my old stories, just like being there. Right. Mm. And, uh, and and I, I think that's going to be uh, uh, it, it's it, it's going to be remarkable. Do you think we're anywhere close to that? You said like between fifty and hundred years. Like how like how close do you think we are to something like, like even just VR, like being able to be more present in a space through telecommunications? Well, I'm not a physicist, so I'm really not qualified okay, to, to, to talk about that. But from, from a speculative standpoint, you know, uh, my partner and I were separated for uh, uh, almost two and a half years. And this right. was yeah, this was when I was living, I was working in Ottawa, yeah, yeah. but still living in Toronto. Yeah. And just the very simple act of being able to engage a loved one through mm. Skype and Cacao Talk. Yes. And the way I see my parents interacting with my nieces and nephews mm. in Vancouver through FaceTime. Yeah. Yes. Th- th- these are things that yeah. were not available even 20. 20- Oh, yeah. 30 years ago. And I yeah, remember yeah. this because we've been binge-watching Stranger Things. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Boy, I remember that. <laughs> nice. You know, there were like whole episodes of the original Magnum P.I. where they're like running around the island. Because yeah, like, yeah. you know, this would have been solved with a cell phone like, right. yeah. in about 30 seconds. Basically, yeah. So as uh, it was a Yogi Berra said, this is like, you know, prediction is very hard. Yeah. You know, especially when you're talking about the future. Yeah, no kidding. Who knows? 
but um, I, I think we're going to see some very interesting technological changes in the next 50, 100 so. years. Uh, you know, not all of it great, I think, but I am also an optimist. I think, you know, on balance, it's, it's going to be good. Yeah. Cool. So you're another optimist. Because this is part of, uh, our, part of the episode we recorded guilty, yesterday. Uh, okay. Guilty as charged, despite everything that's going on in the world right now. Okay, good. Try to think that, was it Martin Luther King Jr. who said this? That if I were to use the scientific terminology, yeah. you know, you have sort of the short-term variations that go like this is kind yeah, of like yeah. the difference between weather and climate if we, want to, <laughs> if we want to get into that right but the secular trend you yeah. know as martin luther king jr said that over the vast stretch of time that society bends towards justice and it bends mm. towards right I, I i i certainly hope that that is the case i want to believe yeah. that that's the case because otherwise like what's the point point? and I, I find a lot of science like speculative fiction writers are which surprises me because i would, I would think we'd be really depressed but well there's there, there, there there's a place for both i yeah. think in, in speculative fiction is somebody's got to put up the warning signs yeah. that say slap 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 like you know <laughs> you know young person you know the way things are going yeah. is it's going to be this but i think we equally and perhaps even more need the optimistic visions as mm-hmm. well not as prediction it's not as right. prediction okay. it is as aspirational okay oh that interesting okay this is the future that we could have, but we have to work for it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Our excited neighbors to the south uh, have uh, <laughs> recently um, restated an ambition to be on Mars in the in the near future. Oh yeah. Um, is that a? Do you think that like should that be a priority we're focusing on now? It's actually the moon. If you're referring to the gentleman that we're referring to, yeah, I think I thought he I thought he said so the moon, the, and then the, the U.S. flag will be on Mars. Well, they they they've people have been talking about that for for decades. Yeah. But the immediate thing du jour was that a member of the current U.S. political leadership in the White House <laughs> said that they wanted. American boots on the moon by yeah. 2024, which is which is an interesting statement because mm-hmm. speaking as an engineer, mm-hmm. if somebody were to show me that as a spec, then you would actually take that quite literally and put boots on the moon, like as in a <laughs> pair of <laughs> boots on the moon, and it's like we are done because you have totally not up. defined this problem <laughs> correctly. Everybody at NASA right? is like, "What if, does, what is does, the, does the, he actually the, mean the, like?" I'm, just, just get a that. pair of boots from like Walmart. Yeah, we can do that. Although they have to be careful, they like they're oh, not actually true. made in China or something. Oh, yeah, <laughs> right. The, the administration will probably fix that in in, in some way. Yeah, as it's well, going to be American-made right? boots. It's it, it's interesting, and at the risk of some very shameless self-promotion. Do it. Oh, no, do it. Okay. Why else would you be here? Yeah. So, uh, for, for, those of us, for those of us in Ontario might be familiar with a program on TVO called The Agenda. Yes. And on the episode of The Agenda, which will be made available on the 22nd of July, will be myself, Robert J. Sawyer, and Kim Stanley Robinson talking oh, about the 
cultural impact of the 50th anniversary of the last time the Americans did this, which was the oh, Apollo 11 landing yeah. in Apollo 11 landing in in 1969, and this very topic came up that this new push by the current administration in the White House for a return to the moon or boots on the moon yeah. by 2024. And I, I raised the point that there's a reason that we as a collective, we as humanity stopped going to the moon mm-hmm. is that it was a wonderful technocratic accomplishment. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to take any, I'm a big space geek, yeah. but it was done in a manner that was really not sustainable. Right. Even for the richest country in the world that you would build this fabulous Saturn V rocket that's like a 30-story building or mm-hmm. something. At the end of the day, all that came back to Earth was this little command module capsule that was barely the size of a compact car. Right. And that went to a museum right away. That yeah. was never used again. You cannot sustain that. But that's what you get when you're out in the mentality of a race, that you are rushing towards an arbitrary politically mandated deadline rather than thinking about how do we make this sustainable and inclusive Mm. in the long term and and by the way i think those things go hand in hand yeah yeah if we were really serious and you can tell i'm passionate about this space stuff that for humanity to go out into that frontier Mm. You can't just say it's for all of humankind. You right. really actually have to go beyond the words. Right. And it's got to be for yeah, everybody. Yeah. So all different countries, all different backgrounds, government, the private sector, academia, everybody's got to be involved in some way. And I'm not convinced that setting an arbitrary deadline of 2024 and then, and then going for that is the way for sustainability. Are we just going to get a repeat of what happened the last time mm. where there was a surge of activity, you put a flag there, yeah. put a few footprints up there, you walked around, got some samples, it was all great. They played and golf. Then f- <laughs> one guy played golf. And I don't think he was supposed to, but he was Alan Shepard, he could do whatever the heck he wanted. People back home were like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, he, was, he never flew again. There was probably, I don't know, these things are connected at all. But, uh, if someone wants to research that and get back to us. <laughs> no, that, I, I, that's a really good point. The, to my mind, you can't rush science. You can't put a time limit on science and, and exploration. You need to just like let it happen and do it smart. Well, it's it, it's funny you you mentioned science because if you go back in history, fifty years to the the original Apollo program, yeah. I mean, the genesis of that was not scientific. Yeah, it was all cold war at all, and science was not on their minds at all, and yeah. and, and in fact. The only scientist who went to the moon, Harrison Schmidt, the geologist, mm. went on the very last mission. He was literally the last guy, the person. Well, I guess, unfortunately, they, yeah. they were all guys at the time, yeah, but yeah, he yeah. was the last person to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so they well, we're, we're not doing this anymore. Better yeah. stick, a, stick a scientist <laughs> in there just because, right? And uh, um, But, you know, science, innovation, education, inclusion, mm-hmm. all of these things, if we're serious about going back to the moon and going on, I hope, you know, out further into the solar system and, you know, in the centuries to come that we become a spacefaring, starfaring civilization, it cannot be this flags and footprints glory thing of any one country or one group of people. It's got to be 
including everybody for everybody. Right. What do you think would be the best way to go about that? Do you think it should be something UN-led? Or should it be totally divested of anything political and be just, like, say, a separate entity that is, like, like a, like a private entity or a scientific entity or a university entity? Like, like, who do you think should be at the core of getting that organized? If not a specific country. Like, well, I agree with you. Yeah, well, actually, the International Space Station is probably a pretty good example okay. of that. So... It's not the United Nations. Uh, it's a series of uh, intergovernmental agreements between ourselves and the United States yeah. and Europe and Japan okay. and Russia was was brought on later. And in, in the world of scientific collaborations, that's quite common. If yeah. you look at things like the Square Kilometer Array or, or CERN. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. These are international collaborations that as with many successful things, start at the grassroots level. Mm, that okay. it's a bunch of people, kind of like this, uh, <laughs> of uh, you know different scientific backgrounds from different countries and different institutions, say, hey, you know, it'd be a really good idea if we had this radio telescope that was, some of it was in Australia and some of it was in Africa, and then right, we okay. could sort of tie it all together. And then you bring the political will and the political leadership in to, you know, get the funding and the resources to uh, to, to to make this happen. Okay. So, you know, you talk about the political structures. They, yeah. You know, they they clearly play a role. But right. at the end of it, as with so many things, it comes down. At, you know, at the very first instance is interpersonal relationships. Right. Okay. And making connections with people outside of your immediate bubble. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. That makes sense. So is a figure like Richard Branson helpful in this, like with Virgin Galactic, or is that a distraction from the kind of... Well, it's his money. Yes. <laughs> so I, I guess he can, uh, I, I guess he yeah. can do whatever you want. Um, you just had a story come out in, or you just announced a story come out in Analog yesterday or something, right? Yes, yes. This is going to be my fourth appearance in oh, okay. Analog. Cool. Four plus one because there's going to be a fact article attached oh, to it. So the story is called The Greatest Day and a little bit unusual for Analog, and, and Trevor Chakri actually said this. Yeah. By the way, I'm going to put a plug in oh, yeah, for do it, do it. CanCon. Hey, hey, that's us. That's, that's us. That's <laughs> you guys because I had the great pleasure of meeting Trevor at CanCon. Yeah, yeah. And suddenly, and through all my quarter century of writing, never sold to analog as well. Oh, okay. And then suddenly, I meet Trevor at CanCon, <laughs> and then cha-ching, he's, buying, he's buying my stuff, yeah. right? So this is my fourth, this will be my fourth appearance in analog. That's and cool. the story is a little bit unusual for analog because it's actually an alternate history, which is not something that they normally pick up, but it is an altered history about the Spatial Columbia accident, and so it's a speculation of what might have been done to try to save the crew, and then my companion article to that is basically explaining the engineering and science behind my story as to what really would have been feasible and there's some spoilers where I basically shoot myself down and say well actually I'm not sure this would have really worked but for dramatic purposes yeah, for the story well, there you go that's cool uh, oh sorry go ahead 
Well, I was going to put in a, another plug as well, is that the genesis of that story is actually a longer piece. It was adapted from a novelette mm-hmm. that I've written for uh, Andrea Lobel and Mark Shainblum's oh, upcoming okay. anthology, Other Covenants, which is right. the, the Jewish alternate history anthology. So that story was very much focused on Ilan Ramon, the Israeli astronaut who was killed on the Columbia. Right. And the analog story is really the nuts and bolts, the engineering aspects of what could have been done to save them if they'd known that there was a a problem. Are they interconnected, the two stories at all? There is some interconnection... Um, but they're very much standalone. Okay, like they're not meant they're, to exist in the same They're, they're, they're or... completely different. Okay. So, but you know what? It's all alternate history. Yeah, that's, that's it's all speculative fiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's, a really good point. It's like um, I got to thinking about Arnold Schwarzenegger, Strangely Enough, and, and, and oh, okay. one of my favorite films was just Commando. It's like, that's uh, funny. Most people, most people they say Terminator. Well, so, you know, it's interesting because they made reference to Terminator. Yeah. Like the, I, I think there's one scene where Elle is watching TV and there's like she's flipping channels and, and, and there was I'm pretty sure there was yeah I think you're right yeah 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 I'll be back yeah 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 type of thing but in Commando they make reference to a fictional country called Valverde so so that's where they were allegedly going he was trying to assassinate somebody in Valverde yeah 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 kidnapped his daughter and all that stuff and then somebody made the point was it was the script was co-written by a guy named Steven D'Souza who also written things like Predator and that. And yeah. So apparently in the script it's implied that Predator takes place in the country of Alverde. Oh, shit. So it's like, are this, this is all like a shared oh universe wow. of like, you know, cheesy Arnold films, that, you know, touching on this fictional country of Alverde, right? Can you imagine? Let's just tie all of Schwarzenegger's cheesy movies together and they're all the same thing. Wow. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you can connect in the alien movies as well. Yeah. Right. Because they've that, established that they've established the alien. Yeah, yeah, so right. there you go. <laughs> There's probably some massive chart, like the, the one that has all of the TV shows that connect to St. Elsewhere. Is that the one that where exists? It, yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, because like they've, they've established a whole bunch of different shows that crossed over with each other and are therefore all taking place in the universe of St. Elsewhere. Oh my goodness. Which in like the last episode they established was all in the mind of this, like, yeah. of this child staring into a snow globe. And it's huge, this chart. It's like dozens of yeah. TV shows. Yeah, so basically our entire world is... Yeah, basically, yeah. So there was somebody making a connection between the Orville and Seinfeld. Because there's an episode of the Orville where they're watching um, the Junior Mint episode of Seinfeld. Seinfeld. Oh, okay. And apparently Seinfeld references Star Trek in... One of their episodes. So, does that imply oh. that Star Trek also exists as a fictional show within the Orville universe? Presumably, it does. I would yes. imagine. Yeah, that's craziness. So then, yeah, because then it's like, is um, I haven't seen the Orville, so I'm speaking of this from just from great show. By the way. I've heard it's amazing. It's, I've heard I should watch uh, that it, instead it, of Discovery. Uh, let me put it this way: is I couldn't get past the first episode of Discovery, but yeah. then oh, wow. I've been told that it gets better. Maybe I'll give it another uh, chance. But the Orville is interesting to me because it is to me it is next gen Star Trek with fart jokes. <laughs> that's what it is I can dig that and yet 
there's a heart and soul to that show that speaks to the old school Star Trek Roddenberry optimism mm. that I was talking about earlier. Yeah, right. That these are all goofy people that you know get drunk and play like cruel practical jokes on each other and do weird things but at the end of the day they're all decent people that are going to do the right thing okay and i think that's a positive message and it's it's a pro-science message on the orville as well uh they've talked about climate change they've talked about vaccination they've talked about genetic engineering cool so it's a very i would argue it's the most old school star trek show that is not star trek that's out there and they're into i just we just finished the second season i guess the second season really takes a turn where they've dialed down the fart joke humor it's still there yeah yeah but there was a clear transition between the goofiness of the first season and there's been some pretty serious stuff being touched upon interesting in the, in the second season, okay, it's uh, I really think it's the logical successor. That's to cool. Yeah. Old school, like Roddenberry Star Trek. Okay, all right, yeah, you're like the tenth person recommended to me, so I gotta I gotta get on that. Check it out. I all will right. do that. By the way, I'm gonna plug another panel. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Jeff Deluzio has got at uh, one o'clock today, and okay. you there listening with in November. In yeah. November, you know, hey, this doesn't be sad. You weren't here for this. Is the great is to boldly make discovery in the expanse. Yes, the, I was going to ask you about. Yeah, so so I, I'm on that panel with okay. uh, Jeff Deluzio and a number of others. Without asking you to, to redo the whole panel, I mean I know nothing about science. I'm a medieval historian. Um, my impression is that they take a lot of trouble with science on on the expanse. Or they do. You right? Okay. They do. So I believe. I'm not. I'm, not, I'm probably not using the terms correctly because I'm I'm not familiar with the TV industry. But I think. Either the showrunner or one of the showrunners, one of the principals at the Expanse is a person named Naren Shanker, who was the science advisor for Next Gen Star Trek, oh. and is himself a, a physicist. Okay. Oh, okay. And the the cursory things that I've seen on the show is they they, they try to for, for dramatic purposes, you really cannot get it all rigorous but no, of I, I i do see that that they try like you know that the trajectory that the ships fly are you know pretty pretty close to to what you would expect and then by following the science they've actually shown visuals on the expanse i find are quite remarkable that mm-hmm. i've never seen before in in other shows so for example in season one there's no spoilers here mm-hmm. One of the characters is drinking a cup of tea on on, on series, and because they have rotational gravity, yeah. there's like a little bit of a twist yes. in Coriolis. Yes, little oh. things like that. And there was an in in a later season, you see the sort of flotilla of ships, and their engines are going at full burn, except they're coming at you out of the screen oh, because okay. they're decelerating. So, so basically, they generate gravity by okay. accelerating at 1G, 9.8 meters per second squared, going halfway, they turn around, they, they burn the other way. Gotcha. And okay. that's how they create their artificial gravity, through, through cool. acceleration. Okay. And so this, this visual of all these ships with their engines going, but coming at you and not away from you, is something that I've personally never seen on any other yeah, movie yeah, or TV. Yeah. But they've made a, a unique visual by following the science, which right. I thought was just so yeah, cool. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Cool. 
and it's all filmed in Toronto. So I yes. will say that I have actually been to the Martian Embassy. Yes. <laughs> it is the awesome. Biological Sciences Building at okay. the University of Toronto Scarborough Campus. Wow. Uh, no spoilers, but there is a scene where somebody runs across somewhere. Yes. And I've been to that place oh, no where way. they run across. Um, the United Nations Building is Roy Thompson Hall, if, uh, oh, if that's yeah. to be believed. And uh, all the... Uh, unfortunate people on basic yeah. uh, live under the Gardner Expressway, which oh, shit. They, 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 <laughs> wow. they pretty much do now, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Okay. And okay, yeah. The, the, the polluted ocean is is Lake Ontario, well, which is yeah, also, which is pretty, also pretty, pretty, close to, pretty, pretty yeah. close to the truth. And on that delightfully optimistic note. Yeah, I guess we should get you out of here. You have to go, uh... This is no Well, I see from our scanners that the viral count is down to acceptable levels. We had a wonderful time talking with our fellow survivors today, so thank you to Ika, Janet, and Eric Choi for joining us down here in our underground safe haven. And thank you to fellow survivor Chris Kesner for providing our intro and outro music. And thank you as well to all you survivors out there for joining us for our conversation today. Stay safe, wash your hands, you filthy animals, and we'll look forward to reaching you again with our next broadcast from the Wasteland.